Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the Ballpark Bus, with departure stations at Clydes and Ashburn, Glory Days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling, and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville. When you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the Ballpark Bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at, at @ballparkbus. Natstown, uh, or Nats fans, I guess. Welcome to Citizens of Natstown. Natstown twice kind of sounds redundant. Anyways, TJ Lanemeyer here. Matthew Davila. David Huzzard. All right. Uh, we got a special show here tonight. I am uh, I'm heading down to Florida tomorrow, so excited. Um, but it's not that yeah, you're, exciting. You're, you're headed down to Florida for work, though. I don't know if that's excusable. Negative. I'm headed down for spring training. Oh, are you? Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's more acceptable. <laughs> All right. Well, why did you? Why did I think you were going down there for work? Because I was supposed to next week. I got mm. canceled though. I see. So I'm back on Sunday. Um, gotcha. <clears throat> anyways, now that you all are privy to my travel plans, as I know you are excited for. Um, you know what? Actually, you know, this is exciting. That this is a special Tuesday edition. But next week, we'll be back with you on Thursday. And there's something that happens earlier in that Thursday that is very exciting. At about 2 p.m. Ah, yes. Opening day. Ah, the great holiday. There will be real baseball played next week. Legit baseball. Done with the speculations. Done with the having to explain to people it's a small sample size and they're not trying for jobs. So, Steven Strasburg. Let's go. uh, Let's step right into it, people that are playing for jobs, uh, Roger Bird and Dina. Yeah, no, we, we were talking about him a lot earlier today. Uh, you know, it with, with what's going on, the whole outfield situation, I guess you could call it, uh, Rick Ankeel, I mean, I'm not going to say he's injured because I don't think he is, but he walked out he's of the Rick game. Ankeel. He's Rick Ankeel. He's a walking injury. <laughs> Fair <laughs> I enough. I didn't want to go there. But uh, he, you know, he left the game earlier with uh, – what was it, quad tightness, I think it was? Yeah. It was, it was a leg injury. Yeah, it was yeah. quad, quad tightness. And he missed time last year with leg injuries. And, uh, I mean, so, Roger Bernardino's lighting it up. Enough said. I mean, I uh, I mean, I don't know. I you got to be wary about getting teased by Roger Bernardino because last year he started out hot, kind of faded out in spring training, of course. But – What's the harm with, I mean, I said it a couple of weeks ago when we had um, Sean on, uh, Bernardino was my starter in center. Okay. Um, I haven't changed from that. We know what Ann Keel is. He can be a bench bat if we need him to come in and play center, even for an extended period of time, uh, you know, a four to six week period if we bring somebody up, um, i.e. if they're waiting on Harper or whatever the plan is, he can do that. What's the harm with, you know, give, well, giving the younger guy a shot for a couple of weeks? Though? I, I mean, also, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, we gave the guy a shot last year. He didn't exactly deliver. But, you know, I mean, 
you, you could have that late bloomer argument. Uh, it's a new year. I mean, you can't you can't base everything from last year off of uh, what he's going to do this year. He's never really, you know, he, his first, what was supposed to be his first full season, he uh, had that catastrophic leg injury. Yeah. And then in his second season, he didn't get off to the best start. And then he, the middle of the season was fairly good when he seemed to be fully recovered from the injury. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, it just looked like he wore out. Well, what was interesting about that, you're talking about 2010. Yes, and then last and, year. But I, what's interesting about that is nobody expected him to be a home run hitter, which he mm-hmm. showed some pop. And that was kind of like, whoa, really? <laughs> I remember the first couple of home runs he hit was in New York. He hit two of them, if I recall correctly, in one yeah. game. And that was when people were like, whoa, this guy hits home runs. And then he started delivering a few more here and there. Yeah, he started to look like, you know, a player that could do it all, a five-tool guy that could really, you know, have the speed on the bases and the power and, and play defense, but he's never really played the defense or, or gotten on base consistently. He's been a rather inconsistent player, and that's really, if you look at guys that do, are late bloomers or guys through their careers that have had injuries and inconsistencies, and there's all of a sudden, one year, it just all comes together for him. And it may have to do with the amount of time that they've been playing baseball. Roger Bernardino's from Curacao. He, he didn't start playing baseball when he was young like a lot of other kids. He's an athlete first and a baseball player second. You know, you look at a guy like Matt Kemp, who it took him a while to figure things out. And he's just so athletic that when it all came together for him in MVP-type season. Roger Bernardino, when it all comes together for him, he's not going to be an MVP. He'll probably be an average major league player. No. I mean, and, you know, that's that's what the Nationals need in center field, you know. I mean, the the nice thing about if Roger Bernardino were to blossom like that, you have Bryce Harper who can play center or a corner outfield position um, or even still play center. Roger Bernardino could play a corner outfield position. Um, I mean, Roger Bernardino really did have his best uh, – I think, games while he was playing in one of the corner outfield positions. Now, I mean, if you go back and look at UZR, um, the last two years, I mean, uh, you're looking at just in the general outfield spots, mainly in the corner spots, um, left field, right field combined in 2010, you're looking at basically 800 innings. um, And left field, right field combined in 2011 a lot less. You're looking at uh, basically 230 uh, right abouts. Uh, UZR, which is the the general defensive statistic, um, I'm not going to go through and try and explain what all it takes into effect because it, it takes it's a, a good lot. statistic. Yeah, it, it's a good. Know statistic. enough to know it's a good statistic. Um, so uh, UZR 150 is over the course of 150 games. Thank you. So uh, <clears throat> you're looking at his UZR from 2010. Uh, basically even, basically zero between left field and right field. Last year in left field and right field, uh, closer to about 50. Um, so, I mean, obviously he can he can play the corner fairly well. I mean, even a, an even UZR is good. Uh, you're not hurting anything. Right. Um, and from what I understand, he's he looks better in center. I'll, I'll have a better take for that when I actually – when well, we see it, him play. It, it, 
it's interesting when you watch Roger Bernardino play because you you know you watch him play center field and he makes all these diving catches, these spectacular catches, the one some of us know as the catch. But um, I mean, you know, some of those catches that he makes that are spectacular are spectacular because he's got the speed to make up for it, the closing distance, you know, or if you watch to a make real, up for a bad route. If you watch a real good center fielder play, if you remember, you know, Carlos Beltran and his prime, he never dove. He would, you know, there'd be a ball that looked like a double, sure double off the bat, and all of a sudden you'd look and there just Carlos Beltran would just appear with his glove in the air and catch it out of the air, and he just was so smooth. Yeah, that that's definitely one thing you have to think about. Um, is that a lot of these, a lot of his great catches that he's made are because he hasn't made a good read off the ball to start with. Right. Um, the the big thing that I noticed uh, from center field where I sat last year was that any 99 times out of 100, when a ball came off the bat, he stopped, looked at it, took two to three steps backwards, and then charged in on the ball. Mm-hmm. That's not what you want your center field to do by any means. Right. Now, I mean, and you know, I, I have to admit, I like Bernardino. I like, you know, the – He's got good energy. Um, he's fast. He can steal bases. He hasn't he hasn't shown, I think, his maximum potential at stealing bases. I think he's shown that he can do it. He just needs to figure out that one little thing, that one little read on a pitcher before he goes for it. I think it. he's been fairly good at, at reading the pitchers on the bases. He's been a lot better than lasting mill. Millage or Niger Morgan or <laughs> well, Nook Morgan. You, you're you're comparing him to some uh, <laughs> some low quality. I right. hate to say it, well, but. Well, you know, we're reaching the end of spring training here. Final cuts are coming up. And some of those final cuts are going to be guys that are out of options, that are just not going to make a team, and they're going to have nowhere to go. And I read earlier on Twitter the dreaded uh, vote of confidence for a center fielder, for Colorado center fielder Dexter Fowler. He, his manager said even if he hit zero, I'd start him. Well, that normally means the general manager doesn't have the same – idea and let's be fun. honest here me and tj were like are you kidding <laughs> we were like did you really just say that let's let's get dexter fowler the kid can't hit right and then we looked at his stats uh, surprisingly okay surprisingly better than we thought he was right? Right. i was thinking like a 220 230 hitter uh, uh, he's he's actually I was thinking a, 230 he's a 260, 230 with, a 260 hitter with a 360 on base percentage and that's pretty good <laughs> now i mean the 360 on base, definitely, especially if we're looking at a leadoff guy, that's what you want. Um, the the general rule of thumb for OPS, though, is about 720 is right. your cutoff between decent player and not so. Well, 720 out of a center fielder is pretty good. Fair enough. It's an up-the-middle position. Yeah. Right. But the problem with Fowler, though, is is defensive stats aren't that good. No, but, not. but He's in a hitter's park. He's in a, yes, he's in a hitter's park. It's not just... It's not just a home run hitter's park because of the light air. It's a single hitter's and a double hitter's and a triple hitter's park because, because it's so gigantic. Yeah. Because of the thin air, they overcompensated by making the field gigantic. Right. And it's just not an easy place to play defensively. Now, looking at the stats here, uh, going back to the UZR 150, uh, 2009, Fowler's in center field alone was 4.9. 2011, uh, it was, excuse me, negative 4.9. Uh, 2011, it was negative 6.8. Uh, compare that with Roger Bernardino, who last year was really the only year that he got uh, consistent time in center, 
he was a negative 16 uh, in change. And I don't Williams have the number right in front of me, but it was, right. So Bernie was better in the but we're talking right. center. But that's center a that's, alone. that's oh, a right. 10 run improvement, which is an improvement of uh, one ge- one win yeah, over the well, course of a significant season. regardless. Mm-hmm. So it is significant both offensively and defensively. If Colorado cuts him, maybe the Nats should sign him to a minor league deal. See if he can hit a triple A and call him up when they're ready. And then there's the other option, which would be to go all glove in center field and get a guy like Carlos Gomez, who really doesn't have a place anymore in Milwaukee. Yeah, but that's getting a guy that's completely a glove and you know has no chance of hitting that you're going to go and bat him eighth or hell, um, bat him ninth. Uh, for that matter, uh, if you're Tony La Russa. <laughs> or if you're uh, Jim Riggleman. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but Jim Riggleman tried to be Tony La Russa, let's be honest. That's yeah, um, true. So, but, uh, I mean, if you, it's really hard to have that hole. I mean, granted, we already have a hole with the pitcher spot. Now we're bringing in another hole, and we're just widening that. Basically, I mean, at that point, you're doing two-thirds of an inning right there. Mm-hmm. You're giving up two outs. Yeah, but we know... Nationals right now, Roger Bernardino is not a great hitter, and he's not that But he has the propensity to hit. He does. He has the potential. As uh, Carlos Gomez is not going to hit. No, Gomez is not going to hit. But you look at, at, you know, look at teams that that the goal is to score more runs than you allow. And you can do that in two ways, either by scoring more runs or by allowing less runs. And the Nationals right now, it looks like they're going to be playing a lot of Close one games. and two run ball games. Here. Yeah, the Nationals are really. I mean, they've said it since day one. They're the, what they wanted to do was build around their pitching staff, and uh, they've done that. Let, let's you know, let's uh, let's say we've got a pretty decent pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the defense has gotten better uh, last year, <laughs> yeah. uh, years before that, not so much. And I uh, think the defense this year will be better. Because of who the starters are. Yeah. They're going to be guys that work quickly, that strike out guys. When you have a lot of balls in play, there's a lot more chances for defensive miscues. Yeah. But I think if you're going run prevention, you go all in on run prevention. And, and you know, you got your middle of the order with, with Zimmerman and Morris and Worth. And hopefully Worth can come back to being somewhat decent. Probably not going to be as good as he was in Philadelphia ever again. He's not going to be a 900 OPS guy, but hopefully he can be an 800 OPS guy. That'd be sweet. I've seen the. Uh, I mean, like you said, we're we're expecting a lot of one two run games, you know. Uh, but I don't see the offense being that terrible. Uh, I mean. Let's just, I mean, let's start at catcher, work our way around uh, the infield and the outfield. Um, Ramos, mm-hmm. decent with a bat. Mm-hmm. LaRoche, if he can actually make it to the field, he's a decent guy. He's a 100 RBI guy. Yeah. So then you go to, he's a what, 80 run, 100 RBI guy, right about? Something yeah. like that. Okay. So we'll About put an 800 there. OPS. Okay. Uh, Espinoza, uh, even with the golf club that he takes with him, can get on base occasionally. He's about a 730 OPS. Okay, Desmond, where do you put him? I put him at average shortstop, six, 698. Okay. So, even there, you're bringing in Zimmerman, who's an upgrade 
over what we had last year. I mean, granted, it was still Zimmerman, but we had Zimmerman for half the time. And then even when he came back, he wasn't himself until probably oh, August. Yeah. 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 And so Zimmerman can be Zimmerman for the whole season. And if Worth can be closer to Worth. Then you get Worth there. You get a Bernardina who is uh, passable as as a center fielder. As a center fielder for what? 21 days. Well, we can say 21 <laughs> days. But I mean, even if I mean if he's average for 21 days, I'd rather keep him there and keep Harper down until yeah. I mean, if we can delay the Super Two process, it's all better for us. Yeah, it's not my money. Well, true, but <laughs> eventually, I know we like to. It's fairly common knowledge that the learners are one of the better off right. uh, owners in baseball. Everybody's got the limit of what they're going to spend. Right. Where it becomes where it's not profitable for them anymore to spend that much money on those things. Um, and we don't want them to hit that with – we don't want Harper hitting arbitration, keeping us away from getting a free agent to come in or anything else that will improve the ball club down the line. Yeah. Well, I think if you told Nats fans that this year you could have Harper a few a couple months sooner and in 2021 they'd have to raise beer prices by a dollar before that. We start winning, they're going to start raising bill prices a lot earlier than that. Yeah. Um, That's true. Our beer is expensive enough at Nationals Park. (laughs) You know, they have a a beer you can get. It's massive. It's $9.50. But it is massive. (laughs) You know, know, speaking of massive, we meant to talk about something that was massive two weeks ago, and we never did. Oh, Strasburger. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're getting that thing. Uh, a little late to the party on the Strasburg. Yeah, we uh we are going to tag team it. <laughs> we're going to do it earlier in the season. Uh, we'll find a weekend game that we can all get to. Yeah, we're gonna head out there. We will uh we will photograph. Um, if you guys want, we will videotape. I see no reason to do so, but <laughs> I won't argue with fans. Um, <laughs> tweet us your response. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll put it out there, and we'll we'll see if we can conquer this thing. Uh, while we're while we're promoing a couple things, uh, we're actually going to have Ryan Tatusco on the uh, the 29th, 29th yeah. of special, April. Another special show we'll be doing. Uh, it won't be a live show. What we're actually going to do is the three of us are going to go down to, uh, or go up go to up, rather, yeah, geographically, <laughs> go up to uh, Harrisburg, uh, is where he appears to be starting. Uh, catch the game. We're going to catch him after the game. And then we're gonna we're gonna do a show right there that we'll put up that night. Uh, so look for that April 29th. Just a special little treat for all you kitties out there. <laughs> all right, so uh, back on topic now. <clears throat> so Centerfield's up in the air. Uh, Dave desperately wants Dexter Fowler cut so we can sign him. <laughs> Um, Come on, Colorado. Do us a favor. We'll (laughs) trade you Ryan Matthews. (laughs) Well, here's an interesting thought. Isn't Rick Ankeel signed to a minor league deal? He is signed to to spring training. So let's say, you know. Rick Ankeel goes to the minors. Rick Ankeel goes to the minors. He could always decline his option, though. Yeah, he could. But then he just wouldn't be a member of our team. He'd probably be a member of the Astros. Then then maybe the Astros cut Jordan Schaefer. I don't know that I'd rather Jordan Schaefer. <laughs> I don't think I would either. The Astros are a baseball team. That dude had, <laughs> what, like two good weeks? 
three, maybe? He, he, he had a home run in his first major league at bat. I do recall that. And so he's he Tommy home... Malone? Yeah. <laughs> Guys that hit home runs in their first major league at bats, normally it's all downhill from there. Yeah. You know, you got to – I mean, Brandon Watson hit a, first, a home run in his first game. See, see, but Tommy Malone had a benefit there. He's not expected to hit ever again. The fact that he hit a home run on the first yeah, pitch ever was just a treat. He's now in Oakland. Yeah, he's <laughs> in Oakland now, so he's definitely never going to hit. Good luck with that. <clears throat> you know, interesting fact on Tommy Malone, I saw a box score. He had uh, five innings pitched, and he gave up two hits. And he's he's going to make that team. Yeah. Um, so back to us. Uh, Lennon. Uh, it's been confirmed he's going to be the the fifth starter. I I still fully believe this is a tryout for him to go out and show other teams that he, I, knows, yeah, that he I really, knows what he's doing. Yeah, and, and he's going to get Yeah, no, you know uh, somebody's going to come back, like Wong, or uh, or Detweiler is going to deserve a shot in the rotation. I don't I don't even think it's that. I but, think it's more. We don't have a spot for him, and if we can showcase him in major league well, games, well, that's I think, what I mean. That's you know, as a fifth starter right now, he's being showcased, and somebody's going to say he's legit. Well, and, but I think what happened with John Lanning is you you look at his career numbers and just the basic stats look good. He's a you know a 4.0 mid three to a 4.0 lefty starter that's going to give you 200 innings. He has the worst strikeout rate I think I've ever seen. Right, but that but his. But he still gets out. His traditional stats are good. It's his advanced stats where... The advanced stats hate him. Yes. Let's go and take and a But so, the advanced stats hate Levon Hernandez, yes. too. There's a lot of guys that the advanced stats hate. If scouts listen to... Or if GMs listen to advanced stats, Jamie Moyer wouldn't still be pitching. Right. But Landon's more than a fifth starter. It's just the Nationals upgraded the rest of their rotation so much that it just makes Landon sit out there alone in this sort of land of mediocrity. And he is sort of a mediocre mediocre starter. Now, as I'm looking through this right here, um, his ERA last year, 370. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. Strikeouts, if I can. It's like 3.4. <laughs> uh, he had 106 strikeouts. So his K per 9 actually uh, went up from 2010. Uh, it was... Uh, 5.17. If you look at the pitch effects on there, something very interesting what are, happened. What's his line from 2009, though? Because he actually had a pretty good year in 2000. Yeah, 388. 388. But if you look at the pitch effects on there, every year Landon has been a starter, his velocity has increased to where last year he was actually throwing 91 for yeah. the first time. What What kind of... And he's reaching know, that the, age the, of that, you know, where pitchers... I mean, pitchers his age have taken big steps forward. Big, however you would say that. Taking strides. Taking, taking strides. Yeah. Yes. So the making improvements. The things that worry me, looking at this right here, um, whip for one. Uh, he's he's looking at almost one point five for a career. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that bothers me. Strikeout rate. Well, yep. <laughs> strikeout rate is terrible. Because he never gets a damn strikeout. His fifth uh, isn't very good. His, uh, no, it's not good. His, no. And then the fifth. He does is the walk a decent that. amount of guys too. Um, yeah. Any guesses what his what his fifth was last year? Four, Four two seven. Wow. Did you look at it earlier? I looked at it like a month ago. <laughs> Four two eight. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and then the year before, I mean, granted, it improved from the year before, and it's actually improved from uh, even, what was his best year, 2008 or 2009? 2009. 
Okay, it's actually even improved from 2009. 2009, it was 4.7. So it's gotten better each year, but... Also, in 2010, he spent a stint at AA. Right, but there comes a time with a pitcher like Land where the production on the field is outweighing what the stats tell you it should be, and you just have to start looking at the production and say, this is a guy that can get it done. And he is a guy that can get it done. So... You know, there's a te- there's going to be teams out there that either through injury or underperformance need a guy are like John Lennon. Going to need a guy that can get it done on the field. Every once in a while, I need a Chad Bradford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the uh, my argument uh, this week when it came to the pitching mechanics thing. Yeah. About that ESPN article was. I mean, come on, look at Chad Bradford. I wonder what people said about his mechanics. They said, what the hell is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you look at Walter Johnson mechanics, he threw sidearm from some strange position. You just go and you look at, at like Paul Federich. I mean, what was he doing on the mound? And he did ultimately get hurt, but still, it, it took a while. Our, our, uh, our Fernando, you know, what was Fernando? I mean, Fernando had a weird... Mechanic. Look at look at K Rod. Uh, I mean, back in '09 when he was with the Angels, back when he was with the Angels. Well, let's actually get to what we're talking about here. Okay. The the ESPN Fine. article that had a layout that compared Greg Maddox, one of the most precise perfectionists of a pitcher, to Steven Strasburg, who has a fireballing delivery where he torques his body and goes into the dreaded inverted W which is where your elbows end up behind your back as you're twisting your back to come back forward and throw the ball. Now, you know, it's it's something that people have criticized, but there are guys that have done it their entire career. Let's uh, let's have Matt give a little bit of a – I know you did a lot of research on this when uh, ZNN went down with it. Um, give us a little bit on it. We are going to be back next week with uh, – my a friend of mine, maybe. <laughs> I, I was looking it, for it, it depends. It depends if he can. I'm sure he'd be happy to. But uh, a buddy of mine named Stu. Yeah, I mean, even uh, if we do it he's beforehand, put it in. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have somebody on to speak more specifically about this. But uh, go ahead, we'll let you know. Well, what what I know about the inverted W is it's not so much the technique itself, so much it is, as it is the timing and uh, in the delivery. It's it's called being in the loaded position, where it's uh, if your elbow is still out, you know, essentially level, when uh, when you go to throw the ball, that's putting additional stress on the elbow and shoulder. But if you have it in the the like in an upright position, say for you know the twelve o'clock position, you're essentially in the accurate position. And if you're a right-handed pitcher, you're showing the ball to the shortstop. If you're a left-handed pitcher, you're showing the ball to the second baseman. That's the position you need to be in. By the time your foot hits the ground, if you're if your arm is not in that position, you're putting additional stress on the elbow and you're leaning in towards the plate too soon, and you're essentially ripping your elbow off the bone more easily is what it boils down to. And uh, it puts additional what, – what, it, what, what you're doing is you're putting more stress on weaker muscles, and it's, it's the timing issue itself. It's not so much the technique, but the technique is designed to improve efficiency through the human body. So it's actually kind of a good technique, but the problem is is that when a pitcher is in his motion, you, have you ever tried to watch a pitcher and see what he does when he pitches? You have to break it down. If, if, you, if yeah. you blink, you miss all of it. 
cashiers. And that's what everybody tries to do. Everybody tries to look at somebody when they're pitching and they say, this is wrong. Now, here's the main problem with that. They compared one guy, Greg Maddox, to another guy, Steven Strasburg. Now, how, let's replace Greg Maddox with Luis Tiam. All right? Now, his, his windup, okay, he did the full windup. He went glove and ball over the head, back down. Started, turned his body, turned his torso with his hips staying completely still, turned his torso to the second baseman, then lit, then separated the glove and ball into the into the loaded position. Came back, looked up to the sky, then turned back and threw the ball. And that's uh, that's another thing that they say is a problem with that pitching technique is the uh, if you cock your head back. And they say I read in this same he article that Leon looks straight up. But but yeah, I don't think he did the inverted W. Right. But it, but I don't think you could mimic his delivery either. It's just that they compared one guy to another guy, which with pitching, if you watch two pitchers pitch, their motions are completely different. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. And, and I mean, I, I so I'm reading this article by ESPN, and what bothers me about it is the whole thing assumes it assumes everything. So there's a lot of chatter about the inverted W technique. There's no actual research that's been done. And that's because nobody's doing it. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of suspicion. There's a lot of theory, which, okay, I understand theory, but theory is only good in theory. You, I mean, you don't have any hard and fast clinical data. Well, uh, part of that, I mean, we kind of had this discussion uh, via Twitter a couple of days ago <laughs> yeah. was uh, everything is an instance in its own. I mean, you can look at the overall generality of it, but that's more or less as close as you're going to get and, with it. And, and you know, <laughs> like what I was saying earlier, everybody tries to look at what a pitcher does. Some people blink last time I checked and you miss it all. Not if you take them open. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and so if you talk to any major league pitching coach, for instance, he's going to say, oh, I just see what he's doing. Well, if fair he, enough. But I mean, and at the same time, so let's say you got a, you got a right-handed pitching coach and a left-handed pitcher. Is he going to be able to see the exact flaw in somebody's mechanic? No. Well, I guess the other thing that really bothered me about this article is uh, you made a great point that there aren't, there aren't a lot of facts with it. There's a lot of observations and right. trying to, uh, you know, transitively prove things if this, then that. But what really uh, disturbs me about the whole thing is the fact that the other side of it that's not portrayed at all. They go into this entire biomechanical thing of right. checking, you know, uh, the science side of it. And then it's almost like it's kind of like how scouts were portrayed in Moneyball right. as just morons. Right. That they were just these guys stuck in their old ways. Yeah, yeah. And that's how they portrayed the old baseball guys right. in this is that it's the whole thing of, well, I've been doing it forever, so well, it's right. Yeah, and, 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 and everybody everybody wants to find the next big breakthrough. And so and, – and, you know, that's that really seems like what they're trying to do with this, this article. I mean, if you yeah. can predict when a pitcher is going to get hurt – you have an advantage, but right. But like, I mean, I mean, every pitcher is so and, you know, different. R.A. Dickey doesn't even have an ulnar collateral ligament. And, he was born without it. You know, Stan Caston was on MLB Radio today, and he they asked him a question about pitchers about the draft, and he said, "Well, you know, if you select 
uh, ten pitchers and three of them even make it to the majors, you did a good job. Yeah. Because the other seven will be hurt. And he said, and that's if you're a good team. Yeah. So, you know, that's just pitchers get hurt. It's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that's probably the one position in most major sports where you're pretty much guaranteed an injury if you start it. I mean, maybe not guaranteed, but your your chances go through the roof. Well, you know? if you think about what you're doing when you're pitching, is you're taking the muscles from your legs and your core and the big muscles in your body, and you're taking a relatively small muscles in your arm, and you're turning your arm into a catapult. Mm-hmm. And you're just sorting through it, putting all the weight of your body into your arm and using it to take a small object and catapult it at 90 to 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. towards a small target. Well, I mean, I, I think we've covered this about as thoroughly as we can right here. Um, we'll be back. Uh, I mean, we'll get back into it either next week or the week after whenever we can get Stu on yeah. uh, to go through this a little more in depth with us. Uh, right now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side of it with Masson's Byron Kerr. Citizens of Natstown will be right back. This break in the action is brought to you by Supernova Realty. If you want a house, townhouse, condo, or apartment to match your Natstown state of mind, then visit www.supernovarealty.com. All right, and we're back. Let's uh, let's get Byron Kerr on the phone. Hello. Hey, Brian. It's uh, TJ. Byron. With Byron. <laughs> hey, Byron. That's what I said, didn't I? No. You said that. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, Matthew, TJ, and David yep. with Citizens of Natstown. How you doing? <laughs> Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, just all don't right. say Brian on the air. Just say Byron on the air. Be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start there, man. Off to a great start. Just like the Capitals tonight. Oh, yeah. God. You're watching that too, huh? Painful, right. yeah. All right. Hey, so I know, I happen to know that you uh, you you usually cover the what goes on in the minors for us. Yep. So uh-huh. I, did a, I, I had a question for you. Um, what do you think of De- uh, Dustin Hood? Yeah, I mean, I think he's uh, he's uh, really accelerated in the last year or so. I just talked to uh, Gary Cathcart, who used to be his manager, and I talked to Tony Tarasco. I just uh, if you saw that blog I did on them, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he's getting much closer. Um, you know, he came in as kind of a football player who was playing baseball, and now he's turning into a fo- uh, to a baseball player completely. And uh, he had a really nice you know hitting year last year with Potomac, and um, so now he's kind of adding the defensive part. Tony says he's starting to throw like a major leaguer. So I think he's going to have a good year in Harrisburg. I'm looking forward to watching him play. Yeah, well, that should be fun. Well, with uh, Harper, the plan, it sounds like, is they're going to move him to center. Does that accelerate Hood's timetable at all as far as making it to the majors? Does it make it a little easier for him to get up here? Um, I don't know if one has anything to do with the other. I, I think, you know, they're happy with the way that they're stocking the outfield position right now with Yuri Perez and Michael Taylor and Randolph Oderber and, and Destin Hood. And Bryce Harper's kind of a, an entity all to his own. I think uh, the reason, you know, they're wanting him in center field is just like they're wanting to groom like Steve Lombardozzi to play left field. They're just making sure that he can play every position before he gets to the majors. He spent a lot of time, as you know, last year playing in left field and right field. And I, I think uh, center field is just that they want to see how his range plays there as well. Um, I don't think, you know, it has much to do with Destin Hood because I, I don't know how long Bryce Harper is going to stay in Syracuse. A lot of people feel like, you know, June 1st or late May, 
that he will be called up, but that's that's not set in stone. He's got to he's got to do pretty well in Syracuse. Uh, he's shown that he can do that, you know, in several different places. He usually starts pretty slow and then gets rolling. And uh, he didn't have, you know, over the top spring training, but I think it's a good thing because he's only 19 years old. I think he needs some time to play at every level. And, uh, you know, with the national sources that I've talked to, a lot of the guys have said, a lot of the people that I've talked to is they, they really don't want to have to turn him back, you know, get him up to Washington, have him have Bryce Harper play with the Nationals, and then have him, you know, not play well, have him struggle, and have to send him back to Syracuse. They want to make sure when they bring him up, whether it's this year or next year, whether it's June 1st or whether it's September 1st, that he is going to be here to stay. And um, I think uh, having him play center field is definitely interesting with the situation in center field right now with the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they want to make sure that he is completely uh, ready to make the jump to the majors and be here for the long haul so they don't have to send him back. They want him to see a lot of major league-style pitching at the AAA level so that he's ready once he comes up here. No, no I mean, I definitely think it was a good move for them to – for the Nationals to send – uh, Bryce Harper down to Triple <laughs> A. I mean, if you can really say it's sending him down because he was in Double A before, I just think that's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, as I saw that on Twitter too, it is a promotion, obviously, from Double A to Triple A, and and you know he still has some growing up to do as far as uh, the, the maturity level. He's only 19 years old. I mean, he's you know baseball wise, he's ready to play in the majors, but you know he needs to have uh, a few more bus rides. He needs to go through some tough. Strings. He's going to see a lot better pitching at AAA than he did at AA, even in the Arizona Fall League. So this is this will be great for him to get the, these different levels, and there's just no hurry. And of course, there's the financial reasons as well that, I, that you you know you probably read and we've talked about a lot. Is uh, you know if they can wait until late May or June, they have the Super Two, and they also have the free agency that they'll hold on to him through 2018 if they wait. You know for the amount of days that he's eligible to play Major League Baseball, if it's less than 170 days out of the 183 possible days he could play this year, they'll have his rights through 2018, which is definitely a good thing for the Nationals if they want him to be a long-term solution, you know, for a lot of different things, whether it's in the outfield or whether it's as a, as a top hitter in the majors. Now, uh, speaking about center field and the majors here, uh, we've heard certain rumors that Roger Bernardino has improved his uh, reads on the ball. Uh, is there a truth to that? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, that's always been kind of something, you know, he made that spectacular catch that everybody remembers last year, uh, diving in front of, in front of the wall. And a lot of times I'm not saying that that was an example of it, but a lot of times when you see or hear about those catches, it's because the center fielder made the wrong read to begin and he had to catch up and he's got such great athletic ability that he was able, he's able to do that. And, you know, it's, I think it's more, you know, the hitting-wise, and he start, certainly has, has hit well in spring training. And they just, you know, he's had uh, trouble with breaking pitches. And he's had, had trouble his whole career with that. Um, athletically, I mean, he's a specimen. Uh, he could definitely uh, do it. Uh, you know, Tony Tarasco, the outfield coordinator, works with all these guys on their reads and how he wants, the, wants them to track the ball. But, he's, you know, he's told me the only way they can get better is, is with more games. And, you know, I don't know how much patience they have with Roger Bernardina, uh, how much longer they, they want to, to, to continue to try. But this might be his last opportunity to break, you know, with the club. You know, Davey Johnson was not thrilled with him um, 
throughout the season last year. But as you said, they don't have many many choices in the outfield. They don't have uh, you know stop gaps. Michael Morse is a little bit injured right now. There's a concern about his his lat, his strained lat right now. They have no Lance Nix anymore. Rick Ankeel's been kind of hobbled, and so Roger Bernardino is playing himself onto the roster because of the, how, how well he's playing, and he's done this before. He's the he's an athlete; he can do it. Uh, are his reads getting better? You know, I would assume absolutely. Uh, if in a, and you know maybe he can change the mind of Davey Johnson uh, and get a spot on this 25-man roster and make it uh, to DC April 1st uh, and stick with the club because you know he he looks he looks the part. He just he just needs some more consistency. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. We were we we were having a similar conversation about that stuff, and it's just you know it's nice to hear that we're not the only ones who feel that way. <laughs> um, no, I love Shark. I mean, I want him to succeed. He's such a great guy in the clubhouse. I, I know that maybe that doesn't make any difference overall for a player, <laughs> no, but no, yeah. you know, you really want you really pull for these guys. He's so gracious. He's so polite, and and he's a raw specimen. I mean, he he looks the part, and uh, I just hope he can be more consistent whether it's at the plate or, as you said, whether it's reading the, the baseball in center field. He, he certainly has the, the ability. He just needs to put it all together. I mean, that's the nice thing about the Shark is, uh, you know, how many times have you heard somebody say they don't like him? Uh, <laughs> also, he's got a great nickname, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shark Dino, whatever you want to call him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to cover Roger, I mean, and, and uh, you know, he's always got a, a smile ear to ear. He'll always say hello to you in the clubhouse, and, and uh, you know, you love talking to those kind of guys. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, um, you guys have any more All questions? All right. Well, changing to uh, more back to the minor leagues. Uh, yeah. Trade for Gio Gonzalez, the Nationals sent away some of their uh, pitching depth that was right on the cusp of the majors that would have helped them in case of emergency. Uh, so now, who are guys in the minors right now that could sort of fill the roles that Peacock and Malone had by the end of this year? Well, that's a great question. I don't know if there's one guy that can do that. Sammy Solis was certainly supposed to be one of those players, but now he's having to undergo Tommy John. He started having elbow soreness uh, during last year, and any time you see that happen to a pitcher, you get nervous, especially a guy that throws that hard. And, and unfortunately, that that is what happened. But, you know, you you see the, the, the success stories of the nine players in the All-Star game that had Tommy John and then are in the All-Star game, and you see what Stras, Steven Strasburg's done and what Jordan Zimmerman has done, and, and so many more other players that have gone through Tommy John. So you hope for the best that Sammy Solis can return to form. And the Potomac player of the year last year was the Xavier pitcher, Danny Rosenbaum. He's getting very close uh, to being that type of pitcher. He could be that Tommy Malone, I guess, type of pitcher down the road. Very crafty uh, pitcher who has so many different uh, styles. He's working, uh, his changeup is very good. That's one of his best pitches. And uh, I really you know, feel that Danny Rosenbaum can really move up uh, this year. Uh, there's a lot of younger guys that may not may may not be quite ready, but are going to take the role of what Sammy Solis was last year. The Matt you know Matt Perk signing, he's going to start at Potomac. It'll be nice to come down to Woodbridge and watch him play, and see how he pitches. Alex Meyer, the Kentucky guy, six nine or whatever, barreling down on on hitters. Uh, he's young, but it'll be fun to watch him. Yeah, they lost a lot. I mean AJ Cole, Tommy Malone, and Brad Peacock. We cover those guys a lot, and we saw what Malone and Peacock could do. And as they got a taste of, of the majors. Uh, but uh, as Mike Rizzo has said uh, many times, and you, you sometimes that was the whole point of, of building up this minor league system was to get these guys to where, you know, where other teams would want the top prospects. And they, 
you know, Gio Gonzalez was a huge gift for them, an all-star pitcher that can solidify the middle of the lineup. Now, you know, John Lennon uh, doesn't have to feel like he has to do everything. He can be the fifth starter and just be the fifth starter. And you've got Strasburg, Zimmerman, and Gonzalez leading the way. And uh, Ross Detweiler and hopefully Chin Ming Wong comes back healthy. Um, so that's solid. So watch for Danny Rosenbaum. It's not a couple of names, but it, it's just one that I'm, I'm anxious to see him pitch in the minors this year and see what he can do against better competition. Well, um, you know, while we're talking about pitching, you hear a lot of chatter about pitching techniques. How much do minor league uh, minor league pitching coaches focus on uh, even altering a pitcher's mechanics? I know an exaggerated example would be Ross Detweiler, who just threw across his body. But, I mean, you're talking like Steven Strasburg. You know, people will say he has a violent uh, violent delivery. How, mu- how much do pitching coaches try and clean that up in the minor leagues? That's a great question. I, I talked to Paul Menhart, who's now the uh, Harrisburg Senators pitching coach, and uh, he's told me a lot uh, about um, you know when they get these guys for the first time, whether it's out of the draft or, or out of college, they don't like to mess with the guys' mechanics in the first few months, sometimes um, you know all the way into the year. Um, you know, they notice some things pretty quickly. Uh, with Matt Perk's delivery, with Alex Myers' delivery, how they could help them. So they they let them pitch for a couple of weeks, and then they work on their on their delivery, their mechanics. Uh, you know whether it's coming from the side. You know where they set up on the rubber. I've talked to Ross Detwater a lot, how he changes where he put his his uh, you know position foot before he would throw to the throw to the plate. So a lot of those tweaks happen right now. This is the time that would happen. It would be in spring training and structural league. They'll they'll make some tweaks. Uh, during the year, but they just don't like to mess with the guy's mechanics right when they get him uh, because, you know, they're already having to step up against a steeper competition and they just don't want to mess with, you know, what what was working for this guy. They want these, these guys to have confidence when they come in, but um, they, they'll, they noticed a lot about, uh, you know, the two examples you mentioned, Ross Detweiler is a great one, uh, Detweiler, but Matt Perk and Alex Meyer, they noticed some stuff. They've already changed with those guys. And uh, so most of that stuff happens right now. They'll make some minor adjustments during the year. They don't like to mess with these guys' deliveries too much during the season because a lot of it can be can become pretty psychological, you know, for these guys who have had so right. much success for so many years and then to mess it up for them in the middle of the year. But that's a great question. Paul Menhart has told me a lot of times that they like to, you know, this is the time uh, they'll work with these guys and make some slight adjustments and then have them work in the bullpen and see if they can stick with it. I gotcha. No, that's interesting. Well, uh, Byron, it was great talking to you, and we really appreciate you uh, letting us give you a call and join us for a little while. Are we on the air? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Anytime you need uh, need some inside information, you know, I'm going to be jumping around all the uh, minor league parks uh, this summer and talking with these guys, and I'd love to uh, give you what's going on with the, with the Nationals and you know my my Twitter feed as well, and and we'll yeah. we'll keep oh. uh, we'll keep close to you guys all season. I hate to say it, but uh, be careful what you ask for, because we'll do that. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, hey, we do appreciate take care, guys. it. Uh, we will likely take you up on that offer, so thanks. Sounds good. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So, some interesting chatter with uh, Byron Kerr there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good stuff. We're, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, citizens of Matstown will be right back. All right, and we are back. We're actually going to open up the phone lines uh, if you want to call in. Uh, phone number is 347-205-9638. That's 347-205-9638. For the record, this is a 
11.8. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know you want to call in, so call in and chat with those weirdos. Um, it'll well, be a good time. The important thing is, you know, Nationals opening day is... On the road. Next Thursday. Yes. But there is... Opening day of the Major League season is tomorrow, tomorrow at 6 a.m. in Japan. Well, it's 6 a.m. here. It's, you know, a night game in Japan. But... It's the Oakland A's versus the Seattle Mariners. And why? Why in Japan? Of all places, you got fans in the United States and they're playing in Japan. You know, might as well uh might as well go have that war in Afghanistan in uh in South Carolina. Why not? But, you know, <laughs> uh when you talk about expanding the game of baseball, uh Japan is a place they don't need to expand it to. It's pretty much expanded to Japan. Okay, yeah, I mean, they have their own professional league in Japan. So, okay, the United States has the highest level of Major League Baseball, the highest level of baseball in the world. But it's not like, when you think of expanding it, you think of like the NFL where they're bringing it to London. They're bringing it to places where it's not usually played. And, And that's what I'm saying. It's like... I mean, they play baseball in Japan. It's actually really popular there. It, it they is. might not. They might not have the same level of talent we have in the United States. Well, this is but, this is Ichiro and Kurt Suzuki battling each other in their homeland. Okay. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so you so, can feel the buzz, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have uh, Roy Halladay and. Uh, Help me out here. Roy Halliday and... What, what, what country I don't know. are you going for? Alabama? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the country uh, Randy, of Alabama. Randy Johnson of old. Um, <laughs> playing in opening day in mystery land. <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> that is, was the worst analogy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to go for Canada because I wanted to use Pete Orr, uh, but I couldn't think of another one. Joey Votto. There we go. <laughs> Joey Votto and Pete Orr. That's about I, on I the think same Joey level. Votto would win. Yeah. That's about on the same level of each of those. You see, you see but there's yeah. a, we, we have superstar, and then we have who? <laughs> Pete Orr. Yeah. <laughs> Try and wrap your mind around that one. <laughs> Pete Orr has played for three out of five NL East teams. It's working its way around. And Brian Schneider has also played out of three out of five NL East teams. Mm, it's true. They were on the same teams at the same time, weren't they? No. <laughs> yes, they have been on the Phillies together. So and they, they were both here. Not, Pete Orr and... Or was Orr in Atlanta at that point? Or was in Atlanta at that point. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the Nationals have had a lot of interesting players pass <laughs> through... Interesting uh, is a good word. ...their system. Mm-hmm. They've had you know, lots of interesting pitchers like Mike Bassick and Jerome Williams, Tim Redding, nope. yeah. Laval Spigner, Matt White. Talk about... Position players, you got Nick Logan. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. Yes, <laughs> Willie Mo Pena. Willie Mo Pena, toolsy outfielders. Gotta yes. love those toolsy outfielders. That was Jim Bowden's doing. Yeah. The Nationals have come a bit since then. They've come a ways, I'd say. Yes. Uh, Mike Rizzo has has built a team just a bit better than Bowden could. Just a bit. Just a bit. Just, just a bit. Just a little bit. Are we playing the you know? <laughs> Understatement of the year game? Um, yes. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, okay, so we've got the rotation set. Uh, obviously, we've got opening day starting tomorrow. <laughs> um, 
quote unquote That's, opening day. <laughs> opening day in the land of the rising sun. Now, now here's show. something that I don't think is actually fair. You know, opening day used to sort of be more special than it is now. They have the team starting in Japan. The first game of the season used to always be the Reds at home because they were the oldest professional club. Now you have opening day in Japan, and then you have a second opening day on a Wednesday night of the Cardinals versus the Marlins with the World Series champions on the road. Mm. This just doesn't feel as special as it was when – you had the Reds opening the season before everyone else. It I, I, was the oldest professional ball team. It a lot of tradition has been taken out of baseball. It really should be like you know more celebrated. I think more uh, more special. I guess I don't know, but they do come out with a schedule before the season actually starts. Before the season actually ends, you know. So I mean, I, I mean, what I, you really have to look at. I mean. Is there was a lot of tradition to it, and they tried to make it more of a spectacle that you're going to get more viewers. They've gone to the opening night thing, um, and then usually that's uh, – I mean, the past, what, four or five years has been whoever's opening a new stadium. Yeah. Um, and this year it's the Marlins. Yeah. They get that spot. So I can I can understand what they're doing. Granted, we want to we want to try and keep the tradition of it, but if they're not getting the ratings or the bringing in the viewers that they want to bring in – it's it's a much tougher sell to try and keep it like that, and I I can understand that. Well, oh, okay, so that that train of thought. So naturally, you open the season in Japan at six a.m. in the United States, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, people will joke around or say mean things and say, "What what fan it's, is going to care that the Oakland A's?" You know, I have to, I have to, I have to take you a, bring you bring each. We need to take a timeout. <laughs> this, this beer that you have here. <laughs> It tastes like toothpaste. It does. <laughs> it's, it's fairly awful. <laughs> you said it was beer. interesting. You said after I opened it that it was 11 alcohol by volume, by the way. I think this show is about to get very interesting. Yes. <laughs> no, I said it was okay. That's, what That's I all that. you said. You said it was okay, and then I opened it and started drinking it, and you said it's 11 ABV. 11.8, I, like, oh. I think. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we go back to – Don't the... drink and drive, folks. Oh, God. So <laughs> – we have the opening day in Japan, and I mean the fact of the matter is, think of how crazy um, uh, Japanese people get when Ichiro is here. When he goes to places with higher populations of Asian Americans, they're not think, Asian Americans in Japan, dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> I realize this. When he goes to places in the United States, oh, okay. higher populations of Asian Americans, they come out in droves to see him. Well, you don't need think to think of the, the draw that he's going to have over there. Yeah, I, I mean, but just, oh, okay. Just, so even using that argument, you're essentially you're you're ditching your home market where you're making all your bread and butter in the first place. The the fans. Well, it's who, Seattle and it's Oakland. But how much money are you making? Going to watch a Seattle and Oakland game here? <laughs> I would. <laughs> would you go to the to, to the Oakland Coliseum if somebody money? would? If somebody got me a plane ticket, I sure as hell would. If you <laughs> if you had to pay money to watch that game, would you? Yeah, I'd go. You would pay money I to actually, watch I actually, Seattle in Oakland. Okay, I grew up on a neutral field. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's not a stadium <laughs> in, in, in a neutral field. Yeah. In Japan, playing in Kansas no. City. In Kansas City. 
Probably not. <laughs> Actually, if it was in Kansas City, I'd go to any game played in Kansas City. That is a beautiful park, and the city of Kansas. I mean, <laughs> oh god, the city of Kansas. <laughs> Ladies and gents. Oh god. <laughs> you can't see it right now. You can't see it right now, but David feels really smart. <laughs> the city of Kansas loves you, Dave. Yikes. Oh my god. All right. No. No. Kansas City has some of the best food about in the that country. state of Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's actually a state of Oakland called Gang Activity. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, the city of Kansas City, which just sounds weird to say, but it's it's a very nice city. It's the city of fountains. Um, they do have Casey barbecue too. Can That's also, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Can I also point out that Kansas City is in fact in Missouri? Half of it. <laughs> it's in both. It's in both. Because, uh, we, there's a place called Stroud's that serves some of the best fried chicken you'll ever have. If you actually want to taste what fresh food tastes like, you should go there. Mm. I mean, I would go watch. I would watch little league baseball being played in Kansas City. It wouldn't be very exciting. They wouldn't hit it very far. No. No, but it would. I would eat the food, and I'd just – I'd go play mini golf in their stadium. They have a mini golf park in their stadium. I need to go to Kansas City. Okay, so back on track away from uh, <laughs> the tourist travel guy that we have here. Uh, <clears throat> nice work, Dave. I feel like I know geography good. <laughs> <laughs> I, in turn, feel better let's, about myself. <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring this back to – uh, bring this back to the Nats. I mean, uh, what MLB does, I mean, we're not going to be able to explain it. There's obviously some rationale that they have there. There's some They wouldn't just go and make, quote, unquote, opening day in Japan just to do it. There, there's something there. Uh, I mean, not even something that we may be privy to or it's probably you know, be aware Oakland of. versus the Mariners. Yeah. Um, and neither of those teams is going to be able to sell out their home <clears> park <throat> by playing each other. And well, uh Come to think of it, that's actually will. probably a really good thing that, the, that baseball does not have these same rules that the NFL does. Yeah. You'd never be able to watch a game on TV in certain cities. Yeah, yeah. no. You wouldn't be able to watch a game here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But then again, you wouldn't be able to watch a game in Baltimore either. <laughs> I mean, baseball doesn't sell out. There's very few stadiums that actually sell out. Well, you're out. talking about 162 games a year for each team, and you're talking about 81 home games. Look. I went to as many games as I possibly could last year. I couldn't try and make all 81 at home. I would love to if I lived at the park and could just wake up and roll out there. Fine. However, you have to have some sort of a life. I will say, unfortunately, it's incredibly tough. It is. Um, two years ago, my dad and I had um, like a half season and Fred Carver rewards. Yeah. Well, we were dumb and waited till like the tail end of the season. Yeah. So basically, from like August on, we had every game. Uh-huh. I couldn't do every game. I mean, it's physically impossible. And I, I, to try and do eighty-one I, games. I love going to the ballpark. I really do. It's 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 a lot of fun. I feel like you know you go there enough, you know everybody. That's how. I mean, I know everybody. But it's where everybody knows your name. Yeah, it's it's cheers. But I mean, I don't think so. No. It's not a very small town. And like a small bar and just like. I mean, don't you walk in and be like, hey. Yeah, no, that, that's how it was for me. <laughs> You're like Norm. You yeah, know? yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, like, you know, even so, like, there's some days where I'm just, you know, I can't make it. I, I've got other stuff to do, you know. 
Sadly, life gets in the way. You have to have a job before you can have baseball, unfortunately. What? Who works? I know. <laughs> I think let's get back to the actual on the field baseball talk. Yeah, we way straight there. We were talking about center fielders who <laughs> look like center fielders, and I saw today the Mets released Chase Green. Chase Green. I like the look on TJ's face. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pull out uh, handy dandy. Dave, I don't know how that. you do this, but it's Chase. like every time we start talking about baseball, you pull up some name I've never heard of before. I'm only glad I'm not the only one. Chase Green was the center fielder for the Brooklyn Cyclones last year. He was, I mean, just to watch him play, you could tell he had the swagger of a baseball player. So he was double A, triple A? Uh, short season able. You can say uh, low A. Oh, okay. Low, okay. low A. Okay. Below low A. Great. Fantastic. But he had – He only played 21 games last year. He <laughs> had the look of a center fielder. He just looked like the guy that you want in center fielder. those field. 29 games, he could sure catch that baseball. He, he could run it down. And, and he may not have hit very well, but he looked like he he belonged with a bat in his hand. They look like Lance Nix. He only hit 244 last year. <laughs> yeah, yes, they, they did release him. I, the Mets released him. For good reason, it looks like. <laughs> but you should see. In 29 games. I mean, you should see him play. I mean, he just looks like a baseball player. Don't we have Javier Nady for that? Xavier Nady? Xavier Nady. Javier, wow. whatever. <laughs> hey, you call Byron Kerr Brian. Okay. And you know what? I can edit that out. I'm not um, editing yours. Um, <laughs> hey, that's not nice. <laughs> Anyways, so looks like a baseball prayer. I I hate to uh, talk bad about scouts, and I was just trying to defend scouts. That kind of sounds like the same old scoutism of he just looks like you know, yeah. got the look he of a looks baseball like you're selling jeans. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, when you go to a short season A ball game, you yeah. just sort of need to make up stuff to cheer for. And when you see a guy. It looks like Chase Green wearing the Oakleys with with the sort of three day old scruff in the bl- long blonde you know hair hanging on the back of the hat. You know what that makes me think of? What? The talk we had with uh, Dirk last week. Yeah. Where he's talking about yeah. all the guys that they exude, got the swagger. They Did he get the tattoos? Swagger, Did he get look. tattoos between now and then by any chance? He's ready. Uh, call perhaps him barbed wire. Yeah. Uh, or tribal. Those yeah. are big. Okay, so back onto the topic of the Nationals here. Can I make a brief comment? I'm pretty sure we think we're funny. I hope everybody else thinks we're funny. <laughs> I hope Chase Green isn't actually listening to this. Wouldn't it be, be awesome if he was? He'd probably love you and hate the rest <laughs> of us. Well, another guy that I love that I saw in a minor league game is, well, there's two guys. LJ Hose, Joe Mahoney. Now, both of those guys, I think, are actually legitimate <laughs> it, it prospects. It happened again. <laughs> <laughs> They're Orioles prospects. Okay. They were in double-A last year. And Joe Mahoney was in the Arizona Fall League as well. And he hit quite well. He looks like he could be the Orioles' answer at, at first base in the long term. And L.J. Hose, his name is L.J. Hose. <laughs> hose. <laughs> yep. Does he have a hose? <laughs> he is he actually a fairly good outfit. He's talking about his arm. <laughs> anyway, he's about he's about along the lines of a of a De- Destin Hood, the same type of player. Gotcha. Well, let's move this all the way back to Actual our uh, yeah, our target audience here. Um, 
I'd say we strayed. <laughs> Slightly. Uh, the tracks are about eight miles to the right. So opening day for us, we start in Wrigley. Yeah. Decent start to the season for us. We went through it kind of last week about um, we're going to start off on a fairly decent stretch. Fairly easy. I mean, when, On paper, it looks easy. We get the Mets first. I'm pulling up the schedule now to see when we actually start playing uh, people that are going to matter in the division. In the uh, During that 11-game homestand, we play the Marlins. Okay. And the Reds sort of do matter for the Nationals. Because if you think about that second wild card, or competition both, for the second wild card, both wild cards, you can't really say the second wild or card. The wild card. Because there's the two wild cards. You're going to have one team's going to get one, and the other's going to get the other. But there's going to be this sort of the same teams competing for both. Mm. I'm sorry, I really still think the Reds are going to win the Central. I uh, think I don't. <laughs> I, I think, think the, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, no, I, I pick the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Lest I bring up Kyle Loesch again. So anyway, even um, <laughs> lest you bring up Kyle Loesch or even Garcia. if you put. <laughs> Even if you put it that way, you know, a division like the Central, the Cardinals, Reds, Brewers are going to be competing for the division and the wild card. Yeah. Because they all, all three can't win the division. Okay, so I'm looking at it here. We get the Cubs, we get the Mets, and then we come home to the Reds. Um, we actually get a little a four-game break. Uh, we get the Astros. Um, which I don't if we, know, we if never we have don't a normal win game. Four, we never have a normal game against the Houston Astros. Aren't those ever. normally – in, in Houston. Houston that we have issues though. I don't yeah. think it's here. We had a tent we had a we had a game that went into extra innings that we actually finished in Houston two thousand nine. Yeah, that, the one that Joel Hanrahan was on the team and he already got the same. That was yes, an odd win. game, but or that the that's still pretty odd. I mean, because the the end the was high by score circumstance. Was look, look, the, 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 the Astros ballpark is a freak show. So you never have a normal game in that ballpark. There's a flag in center field. There's a flagpole and a hill in uh, center now, field. Now, this game was in Houston, but the one where Roy Oswald got thrown out of the game when he was pitching for the Astros. Yeah, yeah for yelling at the ump. For, yeah. for quote-unquote yelling at the ump. Yeah. That was a weird game. <laughs> it was. Okay. So, actually, when we talked um, last week, we talked about uh, Garza being the opening day. It's actually it's, Dempster. It's Ryan Dempster. Because the Against club. Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Uh, I guess they're saving Garza for Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, that could be it. Blink, blink. So, <laughs> okay, so as we go through, uh, we actually get to a, a division foe that is going to be an issue um, with the Marlins. We get them for three games, and we go on the West Coast swing. Uh, yeah. We get yeah, San Diego and L.A., uh, which is really early. I mean uh, – well, how far? I'm, I'm I'm not in midseason form for it. <laughs> how far into this should we start gauging how we're playing these guys? Well, you got that. Uh, I mean, I know we have to worry about small sample size and all that kind of stuff. But as far as, I mean, if we're getting into late April and we're playing, you know, the Marlins, can we? At what point have we played at least every team? Have we played every team in the NL East? Every at, team in the at division. What uh, say sometime in May. Yeah, we don't play the Braves until uh, Memorial Day weekend. So mm, May. May. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, we the play the Phillies in May. Through the twenty-eighth. We play the Phillies and with the Marlins. I don't early think you, May. I don't think you would even judge off of one series, but you know the Nationals. That being said, 
if they have a losing record after April, you start rethinking how the season's going. I would, I mean, any depending I, on how losing. I think, I, mean, I think in any baseball season after 40 games, you start getting a relatively decent idea of what it might start to look like. I mean, that 40 games isn't a whole season. So you're looking at 45 percent. Yes, a quarter of a season. I'd say around 40 games, you start getting an idea, not necessarily the say-all end-all, but an idea of what the season is going to look like. I think that's true. Now, you know, we're talking about the Nats as a wild card contender. Are the Philadelphia Phillies still a lock for the division? I I think uh, injuries are taking a toll with the Phillies, and I'm not, you know, but they still got the good pitching. But it's getting to that point where there are a lot of teams with really good pitching. Now the Phillies have really, really good pitching. Yeah, but I mean, Phillies are number one in the league. Right. I mean, they're they have. I mean, there's no the doubt. Standard. Right. I think Ken Rosenthal was the one who wrote that Phillies. The Phillies are going to get into the playoffs through muscle memory. That's him saying that they're going to get there without even trying. And I don't really disagree with that because I mean, which is what I really thought last year was going to be for them. They played better on offense than I thought they would last year. But I think this year is going to be even more so that it's their pitching. And if they don't have, I mean, I'm not even a shutout, but if their starter doesn't go six or seven innings and doesn't have the game firmly in control, I think they lose that game. Yeah. Is there a division winning lock in the NL? I don't think there's one in the West. I don't think there's one in the Central. And I'm not so sure the Phillies are a lock. I, mean, I, I thought you had the Cardinals pegged for the Central. I, they're my pick, but I don't think they're oh, a lock. Okay. I okay. think the the Central's probably as close as you get because you can narrow it down to it's the Reds or the Carts. Or the Brewers. Or the Brewers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the Brewers are in the conversation. I think the Reds and the Cardinals are in echelon above them. Um so then you go to the West. The West is just the Diamondbacks. You got the Giants, the Giants. Rockies. I don't know. I don't really feel that good about the Rockies. I do. do I you? think I like the Rockies prospects. I like Drew Pomerantz and Alex White. What about the Giants coming back? Uh, you've got. I mean, Buster that rotation Posey's is great. They've got the riot. I think Buster Posey, when he went down, that was the end of their season. And we have a caller. We have a caller on the line. All right. Probably tired of listening to us talk about whatever we're talking about. Rant. Bantering. Yeah. All right. Let's pick Kansas this up. City. The city you, of Kansas. You need headphones. I'm getting there. You can talk for <laughs> a while. All right. Welcome to Susan's from Town. Who do we have here? Who do you think we have? We have your buddy from Ohio State. Hey, Tim. What's going on? Not a lot. I've been listening to you guys just for the last 10 minutes and then the first half an hour, so I missed a little bit in the middle. But uh, I got some comments from, I guess, a nonpartisan uh, party in this case. Uh-oh. All right, what you got? All right. No, no, no. I'm going to be nice because I actually, I actually like the Nationals at least to contend uh, probably for one of the wild card spots. So, you, so, so I'm going to be so I'm going to be particularly nice to you. You guys were just talking about, uh, you know, how long it takes to figure out what you have on the field. And I can't remember who said it. 40 games. That's actually what I wrote down before you said it. So you and I are on the same page in that. Yeah, I'm good. With um, <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing, and you guys were talking about that earlier, is how your outfield situation comes out. Um, there's obvious pressure that uh, 
that Harper needs to come up at some point, and I think you'll probably see him, like I think TJ said earlier, after the Super 2 date, which I would say I'd give him June and see where you guys are. I think uh, I think two months out of the season, and you'll have a good feel of your outfield situation. Um, what do you think of that? Um, well, with the new CBA rules that are in, they actually uh... – I believe they've broadened who gets Super 2. The Super 2 is going to be much more towards the All-Star break. Yeah, I think it's uh, we're going to be leaning much more. It'll probably be the All-Star break or August before we uh, before we get him up uh, for waiting for Super 2, um, which I don't disagree with. I'd really like to see them miss that, uh, that payroll for him. But um, it, I think you're right. I think it really depends on where the outfield sitting come about, uh, what, Labor Day or so? I, I mean, and, and, you know, that, that also speaks to – Or Memorial Day, not Labor Day. Yeah. Well, it, it speaks to, you know, what the Nationals have done with the outfield, quote-unquote, situation. I've said quote-unquote a lot tonight. But uh, the outfield situation, you've got Roger Bernardino, who, no, we've talked about might have a good year, might have a breakout year. Who knows? That's in theory. you got he's Corey a four, Brown he's a four, and the and he's a he's a fourth outfielder in my opinion. So is Andy. No, don't disagree with you there necessarily. Uh, but I've always wondered this when people say <laughs> guys a fourth outfielder. How many teams have three outfielders better than a fourth outfielder? Hey, my team has two platooning at left field, and we're supposed to be. I think you just said you're supposed. To, I think TJ just said we're supposed to win the central. So uh, that's so my, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's my thinking. <laughs> well, uh, we have we have we have Chris Heisey and Ryan Ludwig as our left field platoon, both of whom yeah. can't hit lefties for some reason. They're right-handed hitters. Right, I think there's just you know this idea that a guy's a fourth outfielder, but there's not a lot of teams that have three outfielders better than a fourth outfielder. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But uh, but I'll I'll key you into into what I think in terms of uh in terms of outfield. You need production out of those spots. And if you want to be a playoff team, you're going to need to make a move at the at the midpoint. If you haven't found a, sol- a solidified position in that outfield um, to get you over the hop or to get you over the hump, excuse me. Well, with what they've with what they've really been talking about is with moving Harper to center. I think that really, if he can actually play the center field position. That answers the question there because Worth is obviously a right fielder. Yeah. Uh, Morse does the least amount of damage in left if he's not playing first uh, as far as fielding-wise. Uh, Harper's obviously the answer in center. Uh, if we end up moving LaRoche or doing something along those lines that we can then move Morse inside, then we, we have a question in the outfield. But I think as we stand right now, uh, if Harper moves up, there I don't think there's really a hole there. <clears throat> Harper Harper's obviously going to force the move in in some manner or fashion, and I think LaRoche will too. If LaRoche doesn't perform at first base, you see Harper raking in the minors. You're going to see you're going to see LaRoche get dumped to the bench, and I think you're going to see Morse move the first, uh, give a spot for uh, for Harper in the outfield. Because I don't I don't think I put him in center field. I think there's too much of a risky injury for that bat. I think you'd rather have someone who can absolutely play the position in terms of defense and you know if he can prove that he can in the minors so be it but I think I think it'll depend on Morse I think it'll depend on LaRoche if I, both of them hit then I think you'll wait um, you'll wait on Harper I think that's a really good point about LaRoche uh, where do yeah, is, where yeah. do the 
not even the learners sit, but where does Rizzo sit as far as the point that he doesn't care about being right anymore? I, when are they going to eat that, what is it, seven and a half million? Can I, can I, can I make a point here? Yeah. I uh, Something I've been thinking about is LaRoche is going to be gone by the trade deadline. Maybe. I think he will be. You know, let's say he's having a good season, just if, before the trade deadline, he's suddenly worth something. Everybody knows what he's capable of. He's a decent guy. He's a decent bat. He's a good first baseman. And, I mean, he's just he was injured last year. That's the only drawback that he's had. So, I mean, you know, he's going to be worth something if he has a normal year. Yeah. But if the Nats are in a race and they can improve the offense by just calling up Harper – are they really going to trade LaRoche? What would they trade him for? I don't know necessarily what they'd trade him for, but, I mean, you could you, you move Michael Morris if he's having another year like he had last year to first base. Uh, maybe you – I don't know. You keep uh, the Shark and <laughs> I mean, have Harper I think if LaRoche is playing well, if LaRoche is playing well, it means the Nats are probably more than likely contending for something. And then in that case, he's not going to be moved. Yeah, then – I mean, at that point, you move him for a piece that helps you. You're not gonna, we're not gonna be in the position that we've been in for the past, really, since we've been in existence. That we trade for, for the sake of trade. Trade. You're either trading him for pennies, or you're gonna trade him for something that's not gonna be up here for three years. Right. Um, I, I don't think we're gonna be in that. The only reason that happens is if we're not contending by the All Star break. Right. I know, I, well, that's, I, count, that's counting on LaRoche to to give you guys a full season. I mean, he he had a he had a good season in 2010, and obviously didn't produce for you guys last year with the injury. But uh, you know, how does he come back from that? He only, uh, you know, he didn't even have that good of a season in Arizona, in my personal opinion, especially from the first base spot. You're on base is 320, and you want that first baseman guy to be a middle of the order guy. I'm not oh, sure no, LaRoche uh, is your guy. I, I agree with you there. I mean, there's a reason he was sitting around for as long as he was during free agency. Yeah. Um, and we just we jumped at him because he was one of the last guys available. It was, uh, was between name. him and Derek. Uh, and Derek Lee went to Baltimore. Derek Lee, yeah. So whoever whoever Baltimore didn't get <laughs> is who we were going to get. And do we really want to well, let, 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 say that? Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I watched this offseason thing happen last year. And Derek Lee, you know, the Nationals and Baltimore wanted to sign Derek Lee. And then the Nationals and Baltimore wanted to sign uh, LaRoche. And Derek Lee was obviously valued a little higher. And uh, I thought... Don't forget, we wanted Carlos Pena first. Oh, well, okay. Carlos Pena. He had a great year with the Cubs, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Just pointing it out. I didn't say it was a better But, uh, you know, it was between those two. And really, whoever Derek Lee picked was... Who was who wasn't going to get was was the opposite of who was going to get LaRoche is what I'm yeah. trying to say. So Derek Lee picked Baltimore. We got LaRoche. Well, it actually kind of works out for the Nationals here with LaRoche. Even if he does nothing this year, the Nationals still need a first baseman. Joey Votto is coming on the market. Yeah, he's going to be expensive. Like <laughs> he's really expensive. Be he's yeah. I you're gonna I mean, you're gonna steal my player, huh? <laughs> Someone's going to. I'm, I'm, oh, I, I I agree with you. Actually, I'm I'm not I'm not counting on unless for some reason we can sell out every game uh, in the next couple of years. No, I don't see it happening. But I'm but I'm a realist. Absolutely. All right, here's another here's another question I want to pose to you, and it has to deal with Strasburg. Obviously, he's off. He's coming off injury. He's obviously shown his controls back, and if he's you know near 100, percent he's better than 
99% of the starters out there. But obviously Washington has, you know, ambition for the playoffs. But if you give him a whole season, if he starts from opening day, he will not be around for playoffs. you got to cut him off at 160 innings. Yeah. And in that case, you're going to be left with Zimmerman and Gonzalez and Jackson for your playoff run. That's why I don't get rid of Lannon, because he eats up innings. He's, he's not a great pitcher, like you guys were talking about earlier. But for a number four or a number five, he's not bad. And, no, and, and you know and- what? And I don't, I don't know if I trust Detweiler or Wong to, uh, to pick up your, to pick up your slack anyway. I don't disagree with that. Um, Chinming Wong, I mean, obviously breaks easy. We want him to succeed. I want him to succeed simply for the jokes alone. Uh, but I mean, Ross Detweiler, he's had a few opportunities. It looked like he really started to put it together in September last year. And you know what I'm really hoping is that he has started to put it together, but it's really just something you're hoping on at this point. You don't really know what he's fully capable of. You know what Lannon's capable of. It's not spectacular, but he's got it. Well, I think what's going to happen is by the time Strasburg is ready to to stop pitching, either the Nationals will go and, and maybe sign Roy Oswalt, or they'll go. That's, that's a good point. And and. Alex Meyer or one of those guys will have worked themselves up into a position where they could be a call. And, I mean, that's, you know, I've wanted Roy Oswald to be with the team since he became a free agent. (laughs) I'll be the first to admit that. But, I mean, who's to say that somebody doesn't snatch him up? Last I heard, the Angels were talking to him. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, somebody's talking to him every other week. Is he going to really be on the market long enough? Well, and I mean, with Carpenter being hurt in St. Louis, Again, that was one yeah. of the teams that was on the top of his list. Right. Um, you never quite know there. Uh, I mean, it's 160 innings, and the fact of the matter is, is when you start screwing with these guys, of either you're skipping starts or you're having them start later in the season, you're just you're, you're not doing them any favors. Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened at Zimmerman last year when we tried to skip and starts or try and move him around in the rotation. He got all kinds of screwed up, and he was awful those and, couple and, of starts. And that's the thing too is like when the season, when his season ended at 162 innings, something like that. Yeah. Yes, 162. Wow, I'm good. <laughs> uh, you fall asleep counting his stats. Don't lie. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but you, uh, you know, you, even he was kind of like, well, I didn't really want to, <laughs> you know, didn't really want to end it that way, but okay. <laughs> I mean, what does that really do to a guy? You know, he's thinking. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into his personality, but does Strasburg have any pull with that? No. No. You don't think so? No. Nope. Not at all. Nope. Okay. Not at all. I, I think I think Rizzo could give. A couldn't give any concern over to what Strasburg thinks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he just wants his power pitcher around for the long haul. Yeah, agreed, especially with what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, um, pitching mechanics. <clears throat> Very interesting. All right, I got one more comment, and I'll let you guys go. All right, what you got? <clears throat> well, I've been looking at my TV in the last few hours trying to figure out where I where I can watch this game at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I don't have anything with any of these teams that I need to watch, but it's opening day somewhere. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to put myself in front of the TV. But you were talking about how, oh, well, you're not making money out there, but 
listening to the Baseball Today podcast today, they brought up a very interesting point, and the globalization of this game is needed. And if you can get games played in other countries, you can get these players out to the, the kids' events and meeting with people and, you know, embracing, yeah. having them embrace that major league game and, and get more players over here, whether that be future games in, in Europe or if Cuba ever opens up. You know, I think that's, I think that's well, something then, Major League Baseball is interested in, and I think it's one thing that Teelig's doing that's, that's actually not wrong. Well, no, no, no. It, the, the thing we're talking about is they have baseball in Japan. Very popular. Very yeah. popular baseball in Japan. Uh, the, the thing is, if you're trying to, trying to get the sport out there, why not take it to a the place The Netherlands. Where, yeah, why not take it to the Netherlands or yeah. Curacao? Yeah. <laughs> Europe you know? for those type of places. Places that, where it's not as prominent. Places where they're mainly soccer players or... Why not another freaking city in Canada for crying out loud? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Just, I mean, Joey Votto is Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> they I mean, like baseball there. They have the Blue Jays. You know when the last time Toronto was in the playoffs, though? Ninety. Ninety-one. Ninety-two. I, I can t- I can tell you the at-bat because Joe Carter had a walk-off home run. <laughs> but uh, so, I don't disagree. So when, when, so maybe uh, Toronto will become relevant soon. <laughs> uh, in that division, that that's a tough sell. Um, no, I don't disagree. I, I think uh, C League is definitely doing some things as far as getting the game out there. I mean, the the World Baseball Classic. I, I know a lot of people disagree and think that it kind of screws up spring training. And I I like it a lot. Um, but again, I I think if he's trying to do something, we need to be bringing it to other places, not necessarily. Um, uh, Japan or, you know, places that have a, a very strong uh, baseball contingency there. But, uh, all right, Tim, thanks for calling in, buddy. We appreciate it. No problem. You guys take care. All right. Hey, nice to talk to you, man. Name's Matt, by the way. <laughs> Forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> well, this is David. Thank you. Have a great night. <laughs> Good luck and good night. All right, awkward goodbyes. That's what you get here at Citizens of Madstown. Right, you don't get those anywhere else. Before uh, the caller, we were talking about wild card contenders. Okay. And I don't think there's a lock in the NL for a division winner. I think if the wild card contenders and the division winners are sort of the same basket here. If the playoff contenders in the NL are the four teams in the NL East that aren't the Mets. Now, but I think you can extend that farther. Name a lock in baseball. That is to win their division, <laughs> not to lose their division or be the worst in baseball. Name a lock to win their division. I can give you one from 2011. The Tigers. Remember, remember when? Uh, remember when the Red Sox signed? Uh, name slips my mind. Help me out here. <laughs> They, they signed, signed Carl Crawford. <laughs> they signed Carl Crawford and they signed Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah, now, they, now people picked him as a a lock. No, they wouldn't lock if the Yankees were still good and the Rays were still good. So, but they they picked them for the World Series. They did pick them for the World Series, but that's a difference than saying they're a lock. Uh, I think a. I mean, am I wrong? Did a lot of people? Didn't a lot of people think they were the Phillies and they, the Reds? They line? thought it was the it was the most the likely, likely outcome. Choice. But it wasn't a lock. Yeah, fair enough. But the, last year, the Phillies were a lot to win the NL East. I mean, they, and they ran away with it. But this year, I don't think they're a lock. I don't think there's a lock in the West. I don't think there's a lock in the Central. 
They're really the only lock in baseball to win a division is the Tigers. Well, it used to be the AL West. I mean, you'd get out there. You kind of have a fight between the Rangers and the Angels, but the Rangers have pretty much had the edge the last couple of years. But with the Angels pulling in Pujols, Pujols and Wilson, that uh, that race became a lot closer. It's very close. And um, I just, you know, Continue. Okay. Um, just, you know, you know, we look at the the, the the NL, and if you're trying to figure out who's competing with the Nats for the wild card, you sort of have all these teams there in the NL, except for the ones that are really going to be bad. And you have the four NL East teams. You have the Brewers, Reds, Cardinals, and the Central. And you have uh, the the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Rockies, and probably the Dodgers. You can't really discount a team that has, you know, Matt Kemp and Clayton Kershaw on it. Right. Those sort of those teams are competing for their own divisions and the wild card. There's some serious behind the scenes comedy going on right now. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. Uh, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the wild card shapes up. And, you know, truly with the uh, the additional play-in game that has been added, it'll be it'll, – it'll add that extra layer of, well, drama to the whole situation. Uh, I mean, I think it'd be just great if the Nationals could make it. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I mean, I don't know if that was obvious or not. <laughs> it would be it would be pretty good. And I think, you know, when you look at the other... This might sound weird, but I do want to see you wearing a dress, Dave. <laughs> but, but, uh, you look at the other wild card teams, would you give... Who would you give the edge to? And, you know, out of the division between, you know, the Nationals and the Giants, the Nationals and the Rockies, the Nationals and the Reds. You know, it's it's more even out of the division than maybe it is within the division. Right. Well, I, honestly, I don't really know who I give the edge to, but you know, I, I feel like I'm seeing too much of everybody saying that the Marlins are going to be better than the Nationals. And I mean, I don't really. I. There's people who don't think that the clubhouse situation with Miami is a meltdown waiting to happen. I think those people are are just wrong. <laughs> well, I think the biggest the biggest worry that the, that the Marlins should have right now is that Giancarlo has a bad knee and a bad wrist, mm. and a bad wrist for a hitter is not good. Right. The outfield defense alone for the Marlins is not good. Logan Morrison doesn't move in the outfield. He's a statue. Yeah. <laughs> Emilio Bonifacio is a shortstop and a second baseman. And he's Giancarlo is athletic, but he's a giant. Mm-hmm. I mean, his his position is at the plate. I still like to call him Mike. I don't care what he wants to be called. I, <laughs> he's one of my favorite players in baseball. As much as I hate the Marlins, I love Giancarlo Stanton. Mike Stanton. <laughs> I like Mike Stanton too, but he's retired. Uh, 
pulled the picture card. <laughs> yes, that's probably why he wanted to be called Giancarlo, because Giancarlo was never a lefty reliever for the New York Yankees. Hmm. It's a good reason. Yes. And, you know, the Marlins infield, it's going to be interesting to see how Hamley plays a full season at third base. And if Reyes can stay healthy, and Omar Infante, he's not the best second baseman. He's not the best offensive guy, but he's solid. Gabby Sanchez is underrated as a first baseman, and John Buck exists. Okay, well, you know, I just I just had a thought. So let's look at third baseman at the NL East, right? You got Martin Prado. Right, Martin Prado. You got David Wright. You got Hanley Ramirez. And Ryan, Ryan Zimmerman. And... And Placido Polanco. Placido yeah. <laughs> Polanco. Yes. Yes. So you have... Prado and Polanco are sort of in the same zone of, of being those uh, contact hitter guys that are going to hit to all field, aren't going to hit with the power you get out of a corner spot. I, I know Plasto Polanco, he's good defensively. Right. Very good defensively. Go go up, guy. David, David Wright's good defensively. He's, he's Yes, he's good defensively. Okay, now – of uh, of the NL East third baseman, how would you rank them? Honestly. Honestly, I would probably – it really depends on what Hanley Ramirez were getting out there. Because when Hanley Ramirez was winning batting titles and hitting 30 home runs a year, he was not just one of the best, you know, players in the NL East or one of the best shortstops. He was one of the best players in baseball. Yeah. And if you look at his numbers – his offensive numbers actually translate quite well to third base. The only player who had a better who has a better career OPS than him and, and plays third base is Evan Longoria. Hmm. So he'd be the second best third baseman. Big in baseball. fan of Evan Longoria. Yeah, but Evan Longoria and Ryan Zimmerman are very similar players. Yeah. Ryan Zimmerman is at his best offensively and defensively. Then you know it's very close. And if you remember the Rookie of the Year race between Zimmerman and Hamlin Ramirez. That was very close. So it really depends on how Hanley plays. But I would I would give the edge to Zimmerman right now just because I'm biased. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well what about what about throughout the National League? Throughout the National League? I mean National League How do you think let's make it a little bit less difficult than the way I'm asking it right now. How do you think in the NL East third baseman, I know that's really narrow Fair right. against the rest of the division. Right. Well, you know, if you if you compare them, they're they're very good. No. The NL East has, you know, David Wright, Ryan Zimmerman, Hanley Ramirez, Martin Prado, Placido Polanco. You go to the NL Central, Central the best one there is what, David, David Freeze. David Freeze and uh Aramis Ramirez uh, is for the Brewers. He's okay. Um uh, guessing the Astros have someone to play for. <laughs> they have a living body there. Yes. And, and the, the Cubs. Cubs, they have. They have the hole left there by Aramis Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Pirates have. I, I, I like the. I like um, Alvarez. I do like Alvarez. Alvarez. I do like him. If he can get back to being the player he was when he first got called up, he's very good. He has a lot of power, but you know he leaves a lot to be desired defensively. Mm. So the East would definitely be, and then the Reds have Scott Rowland's corpse. 
the the, the, the reigning be. gold glove champ. Of course. Yes. And uh, in the the West, you have I don't even know who you have in the West. <laughs> Pablo Sandoval. Pablo Sandoval. Pablo Sandoval. Who is not a third Kung base. Kung Fu Panda. Right. Who do the Dodgers have at third base? Well, it was Casey Blake. Who's there now? Well, he was with the Rockies, though. That's yeah, he was. Well, he was picked up with the Rockies. Yeah. But, I mean, he was there before. I'm guessing the Dodgers have someone to play for. Uh, who plays? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking Blake DeWitt, but he's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I bring up all this to say, you know, and I mean, I don't know. I I think it'll be an interesting year. I, and I only bring it up. Because I think, uh, as always, I think Ryan Zimmerman has another shot to uh, show his stuff for NL, well, think, NL third baseman. I think if you want to compare third baseman, you sort of, if you want to compare the NL East to another division, it would be the AL East with A-Rod, Longoria, Euclid, yeah. um, and then, you know, Lowry, or whatever his name is in Toronto. What's his name? <laughs> oh, he's got one year eBay. What, who's their super prospect? Is he a third baseman? No, it's talking about the Dodgers. Oh, um, the Dodgers. Brett Lowry. <laughs> Brett Lowry, yeah. He was about <clears throat> three thoughts ago. Yeah. <laughs> Fight me. I was looking at that. And then the Orioles have the former first baseman playing third base and the former third baseman yeah. playing first base. Go yeah, they still, got, uh, they still got Mark Reynolds, don't they? And he plays first. Wow, that's weird. They have a first baseman playing third base and a third baseman playing first base. Makes a lot of sense, actually. And they've been trying to trade Mark Reynolds, which I think would be a decent pickup for the Nationals. But, like I said, the Orioles will never, ever make a trade with the Nationals. Ever. Mark Reynolds at first base for the Nationals. Or on mm-hmm. the bench. Or on the oh, on the bench, I could see. You know, because he's either a home run or a strikeout. <laughs> well, here's a question. Davey Johnson likes hairy-chested men that can hit with power. Vladimir Guerrero is still a free agent. No, 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 no. Just Even not just a, a pinch hit. Not no. a chance in hell. Uh, <laughs> if we didn't have the pitcher spot, still probably no. If, but if you sign Vlad Guerrero, why not just Matt Stairs to come back out of retirement? What about Johnny Damon? <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind Johnny Damon. He's left-handed. He can hit. Can he still play the outfield? Why well, do you need him to play the outfield? He's a, with Lombardozzi, we know Lom- we play in the National League, right? Yeah. We <laughs> don't need him to play in the field. With Lombardozzi being able to play. <clears throat> but then you're burning two guys. That's the only. That's the biggest thing. That's the issue is that uh, you bring in Damon to hit, even if he can make it around, and then the next thing we have to bring somebody in, you're burning two spots. How many? How many times? I mean, if you just pitch, pinch hits for the pitcher, you know, how many times do you just pinch hit for the pitcher? True, and I know, uh, I know. Riggs was very good at burning multiple spots when he didn't need Musical to. Musical pitchers. Uh, but we should really get away from that. Um, I think Johnson with a guy... really do the same thing. I think it. with no, guys like Lombardozzi and Mark DeRosa, where they can play multiple positions, you have the luxury of them being able to have a guy like a Vladimir Guerrero or Johnny Damon who can't play in the field. That's a good point. Who just classical, come off the bench, hit you a home run late in the ball game, everybody go home. I say no to Vlad Guerrero just because he can't. He, I don't think he's going to keep hitting either. And uh, I'd say yes to Johnny Damon because at least he can still hit. <laughs> Bring him in and let him, you know, hit batting practice or something. That's about it. All right, so we're uh, we're running on about 15 minutes. I got a quick question here. We're going to head into final thoughts. Uh, something I saw earlier. 
earlier in the week on Twitter was uh, it was actually meant to be kind of a joke and he was kind of serious at the same time uh, with the the kind of question marks we have at first base. LaRoche, is he healthy or not? And then the guy who would normally be filling in, Morse, is he healthy or not? Uh, we could we could play DeRosa there. We could play a guy like Jason Michaels or Brett Carroll there. Um, uh, Tyler Moore. Yeah, or Tyler, Tyler Moore, Moore. Or if Marrero comes back a little faster than we think he would, we have all of those. Uh, but as far as getting the best players on the field, which is normally what you want to try and do in baseball <laughs> – Really? Why aren't we having Jesus Flores pick up the glove? That is a great question. I, I do not know. That I mean, I mean, if you want to get your best bats there, is there a better lineup that consists of uh, that doesn't consist of Ramos and Flores being in the lineup at the same time? I think it'd be a it'd be an interesting it'd be an interesting move to put Flores at first. It would base. be, but then in a way you weaken your backup catcher position because you'll have Carlos Maldonado as the backup catcher. Playing once a week. It is uh, is is Will Nieves free agent by any chance? <laughs> he could be had for a dollar. He could be had for a dollar or a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, come uh, on. It. it I still no, think that's terrible that he was actually traded for a dollar. No, no offense to Will Nieves, but he wouldn't take a lot to get back. Let's put it that way. Now, granted, uh, putting Flores there would be would be a stopgap. So I mean, yes, you're right. We do weaken the the back of catcher position as far as that. But I mean. If he's playing first base, let's say we play basically six days a week, you're pull, you have him there three days. You put DeRosa in two, and he plays backup catcher for a day. So he's in the lineup for four out of six days, as opposed to one out of six days or two at most out of six. I think it would if, be that's definitely that definitely fills the gap better with your if you're missing Morse and or LaRoche, right? Did you notice that there was a point in the season last year where uh Pudge Rodriguez was at first base? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a whole game, it was like an inning. <laughs> but he was there, Lance he was Nick there. was there. Lance Nick, yeah, <laughs> Lance Nick there was just I mean, first whoa. base is just sort of the position where Hey, hey, can you catch a baseball? I mean, are you breathing? <laughs> can you stand? Go stand here and catch the ball and someone throws it to you. I mean, that's why, you know, first base is an offensive position because, you know, guys like Adam Dunn can be serviceable at first base. Yep. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I think it it'd be worth the time to try Flores, try Flores at first. Well, I don't base. think it's going to come to that. I think, I mean, Morris, I think it'd be nice though. Morris <laughs> took secret batting practice today. Yeah, I mean, he everything is secret batting practice, top secret even. Everything it sounds like is that uh, the worry. Uh, maybe for not, uh, as we're going with uh, Morse took batting practice today. LaRoche is supposed to be in a major league game come Thursday. Yeah, and we'll, mean, we'll see if that actually happens. We've been told that, what, three times already this spring training, uh, that he's going to be in a major league game. And he, he has hit. been in a major league game, and he disappears for another yeah. week. I mean, that's not okay, a poor fair enough. <laughs> um, and then, not I cool. mean, uh, so, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to come to fruition, but, it, I mean, it's – Definitely food for thought there. Um, all right, we're heading in the uh, the last 10 minutes here, so let's uh, run around with some quick finishing thoughts, and we'll uh, get out of here. I think we've talked about a lot of good stuff. Um, I definitely think the uh, – just to get back to something we said earlier, the, the pitching mechanics thing, I'm really interested <clears throat> in this topic, and it's something I think uh, there should be more research done on. And if people would like to call in in the future, and if I could get a few people to talk to me about it, I think we could all learn something. 
and it would be really neat. I think we need an underground laboratory. We can have one pitcher pitch with the uh, inverted W. Can I have a white another coat, pitcher, please? Yes. And another Sweet. Another pitcher pitch with the more traditional delivery. And we, you know, just control this in a controlled environment. We're going to do a real scientific study on these people. Wait. We just need volunteers. TJ, can you pitch? We need, we need volunteers <laughs> I've got a bum shoulder. I'm, uh, I'm breaking the control. For us, for us to study. You need surgery. I already had surgery. Oh, scary. <laughs> um, all right. Again. <laughs> well, uh, here we are again at the end of the show. Um, we had Byron Kerr on earlier. You can follow him at bkerr32. You can follow Matthew here at sodapop6548. And David? At David Huzzard. You can follow myself at sultan underscore of underscore stat. You can follow the show at, at sits of Natstown. And uh, thanks once again to Creative House for helping us out with our logo. That, Nats fans, is your citizens of Natstown for Tuesday, March 27th. Next week, we're back at our regular time and place on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Until then, we are ghosts. Don't forget the ballpark bus. <laughs>